0: G'day church. (laughs) How are we today? (laughs) All right, so I know a lot of us are in the church coming to the end of our 14 day fast. You know, I'm glad that a lot of us gave up the food for the flesh. and replaced it with food for the spirit. Amen. I'm sure we're going to see amazing things happening moving forward from here. Now, during the past 14 days, me and mum, we've been doing the Daniel fast. So, you know, she's looking a little bit slimmer. Good on you, mum. You know, lately we've always been shopping for ingredients. You know, I've been trying to go to the gym, been working. Everything's been pretty full on lately, you know. But this week I knew... As I was preparing to bring this word, I had to put everything else aside and just focus on God to see what does he want. You know what I mean? So I knew no more gym, no more anything until the word was completed, right? Now the same night I had set to start studying more into the word, I got hit with this bad fever, man. Right? It was so bad. Like, it was a hot day. My room was so hot. And I'm in bed with two blankets, no sweat, just heat. And I felt so cold, you know. It just hit me. It went from zero to 100. So i tell Pastor John, I was like, look, I got this fever. I'm sick, you know. He says, mate, because of the symptoms you're describing to me, you need to go get a COVID test. But no, I'm praying for it. We're Like We're praying for you. So I was like, COVID test? <laughs> <laughs> what? You know, you hear so many stories about these results being false and stuff like that. It's playing with my mind. So I talked to Pastor John again, like, I don't know if I'll be well enough on Sunday. And he's like, Luke, we prayed for your test. We prayed for your healing. And we we believe you'll be able to preach on Sunday, right? (laughs) That's right. So I went down and got the test done. Praise the Lord negative results and no because from that moment right after I got those results I just started feeling so much better right and I really believe that that was just an attack from the enemy to stop me from bringing this word today right now got by God's grace and by the prayers of everyone um I'm here I'm 100% better and ready to bring the word amen <laughs> Thank you. So let's get into this word. Now, another thing I wanted to mention, like, everything today has been so prophetic, from the music to the communion Sarah I just want you guys to just watch how everything today has been sort of connected, okay? Now, have you ever heard someone say, man, i got to get right with God, right? This might be translated to, man... I've been getting caught up in sin and I need to do more good stuff to sort of balance it out. Maybe you've heard preachers say, you need to get right with God. <laughs> Maybe you felt like that yourself, yeah? That the lifestyle you're living is not matching the full potential that God's called you for, yeah? I know I felt like that. At some point in my life, sir, I know what that's like. There's this mindset that We need to do things to be accepted or loved by God, right? You know, people start feeling like, once I stop smoking or drinking, once I stop partying or sleeping with people outside of marriage, once I start giving more to the church or overcome this addiction, once I finally decide to quit those things, then God can accept me. This idea that our own works is what saves us and makes us accepted by God right? It's a pretty common thing I hear among people today. You know, we get caught up in things. Some of us might be battling something for years, continuing to fall into sin in the same area of our lives over and over. Some might be, you know, trying to work that out themselves in order to become clean enough for God. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe you feel like that now. It's easy to get caught up thinking like that. That we need to do better in order to be in right standing with God, right? Now, there was a group of people in the Bible who had a similar mindset. That there are things we need to do in order for us to be fully saved. In Acts 15 verse 1, it says, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So these guys came down and were teaching the people that circumcision is needed to be saved. Now, under the law in the Old Testament, this was something God asked his people to do, to set themselves apart for him, right? So we can see how these guys got that idea. But in the New Testament, there's a new covenant. And that wasn't needed anymore. These guys were like, yeah, Jesus died on the cross and everything. And that's cool, that's cool. But unless you got the old snip, you're not really saved. Like, you're not real, you know? Now, when Paul and Barnabas heard this, They argued with the men. They took the discussion back to the elders. And all the apostles agreed that this wasn't a requirement. The price Jesus paid was sufficient. Now Paul touches on this a bit more in Galatians chapter 5. In verse 5, he says, We eagerly eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness through the, the Spirit by faith. So we see that Righteousness is given to us through the Spirit, not by our flesh, by faith, not by our own merits. In verse 6, he goes on. Being circumcised or not being circumcised, it doesn't matter. In Jesus Christ, but faith working through love does matter. Faith working through love. I want you guys to remember that, okay? You see, people start doing these things and putting their confidence in their own performance and think that it'll put them in a higher standing with God. You know, today I prayed and I sung worship songs, or today I preached at church. I'm sure God will like me more now. We try to make our good actions outweigh our bad actions. It's as if God's a teacher giving us a grade the more good we do, right? Sometimes we see them like that. It's so easy to get caught up in that mindset because that's the way the world works. Everything we get, we have to work for, right? Money, good test results, the recognition of other people. We're so used to being rewarded based on our performance that we sometimes carry that into our Christian walk. But as we put more confidence in our own efforts, we're actually putting less confidence in the price Jesus paid for us. You see, there's no kind of grade point average in this case. There's no C plus get into heaven, right? There's a standard. It's either pass or fail, right? And in order to pass, we would need to uphold every law and avoid every sin. As humans, we can't do it. So we needed Jesus. The only one who was blameless and pure became our substitute. Now the apostle... (laughs) Let's just disregard that. The apostle... Who's making the possible happen? Impossible, possible. The Apostle Paul gives us his own example. He compares himself to those people in that mindset in the book of Philippians. In chapter 3, verse 4, he says, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. He's saying, if it was about... All the things you've done in physical, I've done way more, like compared to all these other Pharisees and stuff like that. If it's about the law, Paul's saying, I'm up here. He says, I was circumcised the eighth day. I'm of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Concerning the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal. Persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law. Blameless. Paul says, under the law, he's those things. Basically, he's saying, if it's about the law and religiousness, look at all the things I've done. I'm the man. I'll be closer to God than everyone. Blameless. Right? But he goes on in verse 8. He says, more than that, I count all things to be loss, compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. All those things he just listed is just rubbish compared to Christ, compared to the gift Christ gave him. Paul is saying all these physical efforts, they're just worthless. He may have lost all things previously, but what he's gained is far more important right so from this example we see that it's not by our own works or actions right? it's by God's grace he sent his son and through faith in him we are saved right? he's moving away from this idea that we need to make ourselves righteous through our efforts and shows that We've already been made righteous because of what Jesus has done. Okay, some people might hear that and be like, Wait, so does that mean as long as I say I have faith and I believe I can continue sinning and doing what I want? I think you guys know the answer to that, right? No, see. You can say you have faith all you want. You can put it on your status. You can climb on top of the harbour bridge and scream it out. But is that what having faith is? What does it mean to have faith? And what does real faith look like? Let's look at James chapter 2, verse 15. It says Imagine a brother or sister. Who is naked and never has enough food to eat. What if one of you said, go in peace, stay warm and have a nice meal. Just keep walking. <laughs> what good is it if you don't actually give them what their body needs? Exactly. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Right? We see that our faith is made complete with our works. We can't just say it, we have to do it too. Now some people might say they're, they're a believer, but their actions aren't reflecting that. And they're not producing good fruit. Now, if there's no fruit, there's no root. Right, Our faith first needs to be rooted in Jesus, and then the fruits will be produced. So we're looking at this idea that our faith and our salvation comes from God. And it's not by our actions that we are saved, but because of the faith that we have. And we see from the scripture that our works and actions then follow as a result of our faith. Okay, now I understand this can be a bit confusing for some of us, okay? Like Luke, what do you you mean here? You're saying... It's not by our works that we get saved, it's by our faith. But in order to have faith, in order for our faith to be real, we need to do good works. Right? I know. It's a bit of a journey, but it's going to make sense, Okay. Now, to help us understand this idea a bit better, we need to look at the book of Philippians. In the book of Philippians, Paul is in prison. And he's writing a letter to the people of Philippi, the believers, the brothers and the sisters in Christ. In Philippians 3 verse 2, he says, Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for people who do evil things. Watch out for those who insist on circumcision, which is really mutilation. Now Paul is warning the believers of these men spreading false doctrines and the dangers of living in a perverse nation. So we see how the world is corrupted, but in the previous chapter, Paul explains how we, the church, are the light bearers in the corrupted world. Okay? Now just stay with me here. In chapter 2, verse 12, it says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, Not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Listen to this. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, a lot of times this verse can be taken out of context. People say, you need to work out your salvation and be fearful of God's wrath or you're going to go to hell. Right? A lot of people have heard it that way, right? I definitely have This is where people start Getting that idea like, Oh man, I need to get right with God They hear that verse Oh, I've got to fix my life Right? But I want you to notice something here Paul says this Work out your salvation Not work for your salvation Okay? Just stay with me While Paul was with them were doing the work of christ together and now he's saying even more in my absence you must continue to do the work of your salvation with fear and trembling okay now the fear and trembling part is where people get confused as well even i was confused you know why should i feel fear god and you know have trembling while i'm doing his work you know, if you're, if you're on God's bad side, then sure. You know, I'd be afraid of that. But this passage is not about the fear of his wrath. Okay, so the Greek word translated fear in this context can equally mean reverence or respect. Okay? Now Paul uses this same phrase in 2 Corinthians 7 verses 15. So we're trying to get an understanding of what's fear and trembling, yeah? He talks about Titus, who was encouraged by the Corinthians, and how they responded with fear and trembling when he arrived. Okay? Because in this case, they showed great humility and respect for his position as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? So with these examples, we get an understanding of what this scripture is actually telling us. I think the New Living Translation um, version shows the best, the best um, translation <laughs> of this scripture. It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. It makes more sense when we see the next verse. In verse 13, it says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure, okay? So we can see these two verses, they go together. Basically, Paul is saying, carry out your salvation. Always be in awe and reverence of God in your journey, okay? Because it is God who is in you, right? He causes you to want what he wants and to do what brings him pleasure. Okay? You see, as I stand up here, I'm in awe of God. Because I know I was one of the worst public speakers in, in school, in uni. Right? No matter how small the stage would be, no matter how small the audience, I would get stage fright. Couldn't do it. You know, when I used to give speeches at school, my leg would always shake. <laughs> Man, the boys love teasing me, I'll tell you. But you know, like Sarah said, a God's unshakable. And he stopped my legs from shaking. <laughs> but wow, wow, you know. God can use someone like me to bring his word in front of everyone here. Bruh. See, we've received salvation because of him. Now the work that he's doing in us fills us, right? And it pours out onto those around us, producing fruit. Because we're filled with God, we produce fruit. Now that's the key. A lot of us have it twisted, that it's our actions or good deeds that will draw us closer to God who will then fill us, when it's actually the other way around, right? You see, this phone, yeah? Yeah, I need an upgrade, but that's all right. This phone, it won't work Without a battery, right? If the battery's dead, it's not gonna work. That's how it is. No matter how hard it tries while it's on, it can't fill its own battery, right? No matter what apps you download, putting it on low power saving mode, it doesn't matter. The battery's gonna die out, right? It needs to be brought back to the power source in order to work and function, okay? Now, in order to do anything, the phone needs to be charged. And just like this phone, we need to constantly be filled with God in order to work and produce good fruit. So because God is working within us, like providing that salvation, now we can work outwardly. You see? This is working it out. We can work outwardly, right? We work out what God is working within. You see, I wouldn't have been able to stand up here and preach without seeking God, without studying His Word first, right? Because He filled me and fed me. And through studying and seeking Him, I'm able to then come here and share that with all of you, right? Now, this is why the passage is referred to as light bearers. As God is at work within us, it pours out to those in the world, spreading light in a dark, perverse nation. The book of Matthew, chapter 5, Jesus teaches that His followers are the salt and light of the earth, right? Giving the earth flavor and brightness. That's what we do. Put flavor out there. In verse 16, he says, In the same way, let your light shine before people, so they can see the good things you do and praise your Father who is in heaven. Not praise you, right? Just as we continue to carry out our salvation, it will touch others and they will see God within us. They will praise the Father in heaven and not us. It's not about performing good deeds to earn God's favor. We have his favor. So long as we abide in him and seek him, our batteries will always be filled. Right? the good works will then come naturally as we continue seeking him, right? A lot of us have this idea that we need to be perfect to be saved, right? No one other than Jesus is perfect. No one. This is a process by which God continues to work in us and refine us from the inside, all those songs? Whoo. Sarah's communion message. Whoo. Man, I was just like blessed. <laughs> I'm just watching what God showed me come to life and everything, right? Now Paul continues in Philippians three twelve, he says this it's not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus has also laid hold for me. Okay? As we're working out our salvation, we keep pressing forward because we're trusting in what Jesus has done, what Jesus is doing, what Jesus is going to do. We need to remove that way of thinking that once I stop doing whatever, insert sin, then... God will love me. You know, you need to stop telling yourself, once I get myself together, then I can come to Jesus. No. Just come to Jesus. What we should be saying is this. God, I'll be honest. I really want to live for you. I want to stop drinking or fornicating or smoking or whatever it is. I want to stop doing these things but I can't unless you save me and interrupt my life but I can't change on my own I'm trusting you God to save me. God loves you just as much now as he did when you were trapped in sin. His love for us is unchanging. And there's nothing we can do to make him love us more or less. The Bible says in Romans 8, verse 38, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ. Not death or life, not angels or rulers, not present things or future things, not powers. You know, it continues on, but what Paul is saying is nothing. Nothing in this world can separate us from the love of God. Yet we think we can separate ourselves and God will love us less. Right? But where does the work begin? It begins when we allow Jesus into all those areas of our lives that need cleaning. Now, the reason I felt so strongly to bring this word is because I believe God showed me something the last Friday night service that we had here. You know, I was sitting down over there and I was was just worshipping the Lord and I looked up at the roof and I had this image that my spirit was leaving my body. I was going up. And other people's spirits were leaving their body and they were going up. It was the rapture, right? But as I got to the top of the roof, I looked down at the church. Not all of us were coming up. Some of us were completely unaware it was even happening. Now, don't get me wrong here. I'm not trying to say, I'm going up and you guys need to figure it out. You know, I couldn't... I couldn't make out who was who like I can't I can't like say who was going up who was going I couldn't see it but I didn't have this feeling of peace you know it was like I was worried I felt that God was showing me both sides of the rapture and it was like I was asking myself which one would I be you know what i mean Then I started thinking, like, man, are we all ready for that day? If it happened right now, would all of us be going up? And I kept that. I kept having that one scripture pop into my mind. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So, you know, I started wondering, what is it that the Lord's saying? Like, It led me to this message, right? At first... I thought I would be telling everyone, you need to get right with God. (laughs) But as I looked into his word and studied, God showed me what that scripture meant. And just as he's shown me, I'm here passing on the message. So if you feel like you're not ready for that day, if you feel like there's areas of your life that aren't up to scratch, or you're not good enough and you need to clean yourself up, then I would just say to you to open your heart and just let Jesus do his work. You can't do it, right? Because time is so precious. And the day of the Lord's coming is not known, but we need to be prepared always. It's got me thinking, after that, sort of image came to my head, I started thinking, like, why? Why wouldn't some of us make it? You know, I wouldn't want to see anyone here still seated in this church when everyone's going up. You know, I looked to the word for answers. I came across 1 John two nineteen. It's pretty rough. It says, they went out from us, but they were not really part of us. If they had been part of us, they would have stayed with us. But by going out from us, they showed they are all not part of us. You see, this verse refers to people who say they have faith, but it's not real faith. Maybe you can call them, I don't know, like fake Christians, right? People that say they believe but go on sinning with no remorse or conviction. No repentance. We talked about this at the beginning, right? If you say you're a Christian but you can go on sinning with no remorse or no repentance, then I would encourage you just to examine your heart and see where your faith lies. John's saying these people were never part of us in the first place. They never gave Jesus a chance to work in their lives in the first place. They might have been coming to church. They might have been giving money. They might have been doing all these things. But they never really opened themselves up to Jesus. They never really did. Right? In the book of Matthew chapter 7, we see Jesus himself talking about these very same people. In verse 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, depart from me, for I never knew you, You who practice lawlessness. we can come to church, man. Be up here on fire. Boom, touching people. They're falling down. Jesus, Jesus. And then go out there and practice lawlessness. Don't get get confused like what people are up here doing. I believe our church is very sanctified. I know, I know. I'm just trying to say church in general, like, Don't get caught up in the image of what people are presenting to you, right? You see, some people, they say they want to be saved, but not because they're tired of their sinful life. They just don't want to go to hell. But I pray that each and every one of us will have this saving faith, the real faith that will keep us walking in repentance daily, And as we continue to press forward and be refined daily, you might ask, so what do Christians sin? Of course. We all fall. We stumble. We make mistakes. We're a work in progress. But we continue to persevere to the end, repenting daily, just like Paul Now, during this process of abiding in God, we become more and more like Christ. So we don't put the hope of our salvation in ourselves and our performance. But we stay confident that we're saved through Jesus. And it is God who's doing the work in us. As long as we persevere and abide in him, his godly nature in us, will spring outwardly and will carry his light among the world and produce his fruits. You know, I want to give you guys an example. I heard this from a man named Michael Jr. I don't know his last name. He just goes by Michael Jr. (laughs) But um, this was a while back and it stuck with me, right? And I just feel like it's a perfect fit for this message. It sums everything up perfectly. Okay? Okay. So I want everyone here, and everyone on live stream, think of everyone as a house. So we're all houses, okay. Now, on the outside of the house is Jesus. He's not going to force his way into the house. He's just waiting for you to invite him in, yeah? Now, some people are happy just keeping him outside. You know, that way they can just, if they're having some problems, they just open the door. Hey, Jesus, tell him what, tell him what they need. Close the door. Right? Some people are just happy with him outside. <laughs> but he wants to come in. And the reason you don't want to let him inside the house is because your house is a mess. And you think you need to clean it up first. Now, check this out. You've been trying this whole time to clean it up. But it's still a mess. You're still trying in your own effort to clean it up before you let him in. But see, he's the only one who can clean it. He's standing there, got an apron on. He's got a bucket. He's got a mop. He's ready, man. But he's waiting for an invitation still. Now, some people, they move Jesus into the good room in their house, right? You know, the clean room, all the furnitures have like plastic covers on it, very presentable. Usually it's the room right at the front of the house with a big window, right? Yeah, so when people walk past the house, they look in. And they say, whoa, that house is clean. They got Jesus in that house, right? But Jesus doesn't have them. He's only in that one room and the rest of the house is still a mess. But we need to... Allow Jesus to clean all the areas of our house. Especially the darkest, the most messiest corners. The big hole in the wall that you try and cover with the picture. You need Jesus to fill it and restore it. That area. I know you might feel like you've stumbled along the way. Or you've fallen in certain areas. You might feel like you're too scared to just let Jesus into this area of your life, into this area of your house until you fixed it up. You're too scared to let anyone see that. Oh my God, what would people think if they saw that? I need to clean that up, right? That's how we think. But right now, you know. You can't clean it up by yourself, right? You've been trying for a long time. But it's time to let God do it, right? I just want to call the worship team back up. (laughs) <laughs> you know I'm really blessed with this word I was just so in awe of God if it wasn't for him I wouldn't have been able to bring it I didn't have enough time I was sick I was like Bro, how am I going to do this I'm trying to make excuses up to Pastor John but When God knows, when God has something he wants to say to his people, he'll use you. Even if you can't speak in front of people, he'll use you. Right? Now, I just want to open this altar up for everyone. Everyone who wants their house cleaned by Jesus. Spring clean. We're going to spring clean the church. This is what it means to spring clean the church right now. I just want you guys to have an open heart. And if you want to come to the front and just ask Jesus to clean that messy room, to clean that dark corner, to fill that hole that was left years and years ago. It still hasn't been repaired. Let Jesus do it. 'Cause we know we can't do it. So if you want to come up, you're more than welcome to. I'm gonna say a quick prayer to close. So we can all just bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, heavenly Father, I just thank you so much. Not only are you our Messiah, our Saviour, our Prince of Peace, you're our Cleaner, Lord, our Cleaner. Lord, I thank you for every person in this building and every person watching on live stream. I thank you for the revelation you've shown them to their hearts. I thank you for allowing me to bring this message and using me Lord I thank you so much for everyone here Lord Father and I just ask you now Lord as we continue on our journey with you that we would constantly bring everything to you before we do anything before we try and work it out that we'll bring it to you Lord that we'll constantly fill our batteries up with you that we will be overflowing Lord Father God. Our light would just shine throughout this whole world, Lord. And I thank you so much for our salvation that you've given us, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.